Nehemiah chapter number one. Uh, I think it's fitting this morning that our revival is beginning <clears throat> on Veterans Day. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for those that rose up, uh, not only uh, in defense for this country, but rose up to preserve what we have here. Uh, but I believe with all of my heart this morning, what is needed more than anything is not as much for us to rise up, but for us to fall down. Amen? And I think that's what revival is all about. Uh, I honestly believe this morning that the American soldier uh, has done their part, and it's time for the Christian soldier to do their part. Uh, I, I fear today that so many times we're ready to take up arms, but not ready to fall down on our knees in order to have the revival that we need. And I believe the problems in America today are spiritual. And I believe if we'll just let God work through us in the coming days of our revival service, I believe God could change us. And I do believe God could change our country. Nehemiah chapter number one, if you're there, let's stand together. Good news about revival this week is this is the only time you have to hear from me uh, tomorrow night. Amen. Amen. I appreciate those of you honest enough to Amen, that one. Uh, tomorrow night, we'll have uh, Brother Mike Ray from California. He'll be flying in. He'll be here all week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for the church. Uh, on Thursday for our teenagers, I want to encourage you to be here for that. I uh, have an activity and a, a meal for our young people. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then on Friday night, <clears throat> we're having a meal for our couples. I want to invite you out to the gymnasium for that. Having a wonderful meal provided by the church and we'll be speaking on the home and the family. I promise you, there's, there's probably nothing more important going on in this area. Area on Friday than to have your, uh, you and your spouse here for that. And then on Saturday, special prayer breakfast for our men. So I hope you're going to make plans to attend as much of that as you can. Uh, if you really believe revival is the answer, I believe you're going to be here when you can be here. Uh, and if all possible, rearrange your schedule. Uh, Nehemiah chapter number one, what better book to go to when we're looking at revival today? Uh, we're going to read a little bit in chapter one, a little bit in chapter three. We'll pray and let you be seated in just a second. Verse number one, Nehemiah one. The Bible says the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, and Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity concerning Jerusalem. Basically, we know the story. He's asking how things are back home for those that had survived the invasion and the captivity. How are things back home, he asked. The answer comes in verse number three. <clears throat> the Bible says, and they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. For the sake of time, Nehemiah is brokenhearted about the state of his home, the state of his nation. He begins to go to the king in chapter number two and basically seek a leave of absence to go back and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, the king not only gives him leave, he gives material uh, and grants him all the material he's going to need to rebuild Finally, Nehemiah chapter 3, look at verse number 1. The building is about to commence, and I want you to notice the record we have of those who build it and what they built. The Bible says in verse 1, that Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Mia. They sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiel, and next unto him builded the men of Jericho, and next to them built 
builded Zakur, the son of Emery. But the fish gate did the sons of Hasena build, and whose who also laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. Last verse, verse number four, the Bible says, And next unto them repaired Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz. And next unto them repaired Meshulam, the son of Bechariah the son of Mishizabil, if we got that right. And next unto them repaired Zadok, the son of Bana. Now, I hope you're proud. I practice those names. The good news is the names are not important. Uh, the principles behind the names are important. Let's pray and ask God to help us today. Father God, thank you so much again for America. Thank you, Father, for our veterans. Thank you for those who uh, fought to secure this great place we call home. Thank you, Father, most of all for Jesus who secured salvation for us. Now, Father, I pray you'd help us. Uh, Lord, rebuild this country, uh, Lord, that was fought for for us, Lord, not necessarily in a physical manner, but in a spiritual manner. Father, we know everything will follow after that if we'll be willing to do our part. Help us, Lord, begin today to have revival, work in our hearts and lives, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I was reading through Nehemiah 1, 2, and 3 in preparation for the message today, uh, for the burden that the Lord had given us, uh, my mind began to paint a picture of what was going on here. Uh, I've told you many times, I'm 41 years old, but I still have a very vivid imagination. I hope I never lose that. Uh, but as I, I begin to read it, pictures begin popping in my head of what it must have looked like when Nehemiah went back to his hometown, if you will. Uh, I have no drawing ability. I, I can't paint like uh, Miss Lynn. I can't draw like Brother Richard. I just have no talent when it comes to that. Uh, but thank the Lord my brain is talented when it comes to being able to picture what something must have looked like. As I read chapter number one where the Bible says, uh, down in verse number three, the Bible says they're in great affliction and Approach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates thereof are, are burned with fire. Uh, my mind began to paint a picture of a nation that had virtually imploded. As we read these verses and read the details about this city, uh, it's easy to picture a nation that is virtually on the brink. Uh, everything has been broken down. Uh, they're there at the mercy of any uh, raiding army that wanted to come in. This nation that once prided itself on security uh, has become a nation of vulnerability. This nation that was once a spiritual epicenter uh, has become a people of reproach. They are almost spiritually bankrupt. And we see a people that was once resilient, the Bible says now has been reduced to a remnant of a people. Now here's what's interesting. As my mind began painting a picture of what we're reading about, in verse number one, something became very familiar. Uh, this was not just a foreign city that is many thousands of miles from here and uh, many thousands of years removed. As I began to look at the picture of this city and this nation here, this was a picture of my own nation. A nation of once resilient people. We've been reduced to near about a remnant of a people. A nation that once was a spiritual epicenter is now spiritually bankrupt. A nation that once, pro, uh, that once promoted itself and our security is now a nation of vulnerability. And unfortunately, that's the bad news. Uh, but thank the Lord, I have something good. I have good news to share with you this morning. Aren't you glad you can come to church and hear the good news? Not just the good news of the gospel, but the good news of what God wants to do if we are willing to be a part of what God wants to do. The good news of this passage this morning is regardless of how bad things were, 
and how bad they had imploded and how things had become so vulnerable in their nation. The good news is that God was about to do one of the greatest works you'll read about in all of Scripture. Aren't you glad that God can work in the midst of our mess? Oh, my goodness. You ask my wife. I can make a mess of things so often. I can make a mess of my time and my schedule. I can even mess up my wife's life from time to time. I can even make a mess of my attitude. I can make a mess of my schedule and things I've got to do. But aren't you glad we serve a God who's gracious and can work in the midst of all the mess that we have? We're about to see that in this passage of Scripture here. But what we've got to see this morning is how God went about to bring about change in this nation. Now, today in the United States of America, there are two major conversations going on about how we're going to fix the problem we're living in. Uh, The first is the rapture. Uh, You have a lot of folks talking within the church about, you know what, I just can't wait for the Lord to come back uh, and to fix all of this by rapturing us out of there. And hey, maybe that'll be the case. Maybe the Lord will come back real soon and we won't have to deal with this mess anymore. So we have the rapture conversation, but then we have a little more extreme conversation in our country this morning. Uh, We have the conversation of revolution. Uh, that man, we're going to fix this by some type of a uh, of a national revolution. Now, I'm not saying that there'll not be a time for that. Maybe one day. I believe our founding fathers foresaw that. You read our you read our Constitution. It's in there. They saw that power over time becomes corrupt, and they put the safeguards in our Constitution for that. But what I want you to see is the third option this morning that's really largely being ignored of how God could fix the mess that we're in. Uh, It's not the rapture necessarily. It's not revolution necessarily. I believe it's a good old-fashioned spiritual revival. We're not talking much about that anymore. I believe God could turn things around in our nation like he turned things around in this nation because we're reading that God revived this nation out of the rubbish. Now, folks, look, I think all of us have complained about something over the last two years. We've complained about the, uh, the shortages at the store, the gas prices. We've complained about politics. We've complained about this, that, and the other. And all of us believe that at some point, look, we are living in the midst of a lot of rubbish, aren't we? Good news is my God can revive a nation out of the rubbish. But we've got to go back to this third option to realize that God did it through a spiritual revival. What we're seeing in Nehemiah chapter 1, chapter 2, all throughout the book of Nehemiah is God not just reviving the walls. The walls were a reflection of what God was doing in their heart. God was reviving his people. And when we look at Nehemiah chapter 3, what I love is we see a busy scene of people working. You know, revival is going to take a lot of work. I pray you're here tomorrow night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night. I pray our young people are here on Thursday. I pray our families are here on Friday and our men are here on Saturday. But you know what? It's not just showing up for revival services. They're going to bring about revival. It's going to require some work. And we read in chapter number three, all of these people, as I read chapter three, I could hear the hammers pounding. I could hear people sawing wood. I could hear the busyness of people moving around back and forth on the scaffolding. And as I read chapter three, I begin to notice that there's basically three different crews working on reviving these walls. Now, I used to be in construction. That's what I, I did for a living. I tell people all the time, before I became a pastor, I had a real job. Yes, I did. So I do know what it's like to work more than one day a week. Next time somebody says that, I will throat punch them. Uh, but as you read, read chapter three, 
you see all of these little crews that are working on bringing about revival. Now, here's what I believe this morning. I believe revival amidst God's people, not just in this church, but in the United States of America, is going to come down to what my dad just calls good old-fashioned hard work. And if we're willing to play our part and to do the work to have revival, I believe we could have that. Now, understand this. There's three crews working in chapter 3. There's three work crews working. And I believe every one of us here today are going to fall in one of those three crews. And you need to find your role. All right? Look, if you're a born-again child of God today, you have a role in help bring about revival in the United States of America. Now look, let's not be self-righteous Pharisees today and act like we don't need it. We need it. Look, we needed it before the pandemic, all right? Now, even after the pandemic, it's wore us all down a little bit, hasn't it? And we need a spiritual revival. Look, the economy will follow a spiritual revival. Why? Because God takes care of the finances. Matthew chapter 6, he says, seek me first and all these things shall be added. Let's not worry about infrastructure. That's God's problem. What we're going to eat, where we're going to sleep, where we're going to live, that's God's problem. He promised that. He says, your number one responsibility is to seek first the kingdom of God. You put me back where I belong, and I'll take care of all these other things. But it's work. It's work. If you want revival, you're going to find your role in revival. You'll be willing to do the work. So this morning's message is very simple. Very simple. I'm going to try to be clear. I'm going to try. I don't know how concise I can be, but I'm going to try to be clear and simple for you to find your role in this revival as we go throughout this week. Verse number one, look what it says. The Bible says, And Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and they what? The Bible says they builded the sheep gate. Look at verse number two. And next unto him builded men of the, the men of Jericho. And next to them builded Zakur. Verse number three, but the fish gate did the sons of Hasena build. Now, we see that word repeated, build, builded, repeated over and over again. That's the first group this morning. That's the first construction crew. You need to figure out if you're supposed to be on that crew. What is the crew? Number one, it's the builders. It's the builders. Now, stick with me here. What are they rebuilding? Verse one, the Bible says they builded the sheep gate. Bible says in the doors. The Bible says, you look down to verse number three, but the fish gate did the sons of Hasena build. Now, here's what you got to understand. Chapter one, verse three, what did the Bible say? The gates are what? Burned with fire. The gates were made out of wood. The gates have been burned up. The gates are non-existent. And so in order for the builders to get in there and build, they are literally starting from scratch, okay? When something's burned up, it's gone. You're starting all over again. Now, here's what you've got to understand. This group understood that in order to be a part of the work, they were going to have to establish something. You look up that word build, it simply means to establish. Now, here's what they were doing. They were adding something that was not there. Okay, the gates have been burned with fire and they're having to add something that wasn't there. Now, this is important. Get this point today. Revival is, when, is not when God's people are just stirred to attend church. Revival is when God's people are stirred to add to the church. Okay, uh, I fear that we think revival, we've got this, this birdbath depth of a, a definition for revival. The revival is just getting people to come to church. Not at all. Revival is not about attending church. Revival is when God's people get back to the place where we're not just showing up, but we're adding to the church. 
Do you know when these people came to this wall, let's pick, let's pick on one, Eliashib that's here. Imagine only Eliashib coming along and say, you know what? There should be a gate here. Somebody needs to put a gate here. No, Eliashib didn't say that. Eliashib says, look, I'm here. There's a hole where a gate should be. I'm going to be the guy to build the gate. I'm going to add to this wall. But unfortunately, oftentimes we come to church and we think that I'm here just to attend. No, look, if God has led you to a church, he didn't just call you to attend. He called you to add to it. That means, hey, you go find a hole on the wall and decide I'm going to put something there. Now, for too long, we've been complacent in the church. I'm thankful we get to attend here. I told our staff that we had a marathon meeting on Friday from, what time was it? From 9 o'clock to, we was here until 7 o'clock. And just had meetings rolling out the new theme. I'm so excited about it. And I says, look, we've collected a lot of people, but we haven't cultivated a lot of people. There's more to just showing up, you know. Now, look, listen to it. Don't get quiet on me. If we want revival in America, we've got to work for it. And work for it means I'm not just going to attend this church. I'm going to add to this church. I'm going to find a hole, and I'm going to plug it with my work. I'm going to be a part of something. Years ago, I read this poem. You've probably heard it before. It's a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Here's how it goes. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about it because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody would do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have. I read it because I couldn't memorize it. I couldn't memorize that before COVID. Folks, can I tell you this morning? Everybody has a job. Everybody has a part. Now, folks, look, we're not just here to attend Central Baptist Church. We're here to add to Central Baptist Church. We all have a part to play. Look, God didn't call anybody to be a part of this church just to come and sit. God called us to this place to be a part of the work and to contribute our time and our efforts to do what God's called us to here. Can you imagine what this church would do in Hattiesburg if all of us decided, you know what, I'm going to add to this work. I'm not just going to attend this work. I'm going to add to this work. Now, I'm thankful for the church we have. We have a great work here. Nehemiah called his work. He says, oh, we have a great work. I'm thankful for the great work of Central Baptist Church. Do you know why it's great? Because somebody worked to establish it. Thank God for you people who've been here 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years who were willing to say, you know what? There's a hole in Hattiesburg. There needs to be a Bible preaching church there that runs yellow school buses all up and down the road, picking up kids, bringing them to church. Thank God for those people who didn't just attend Central Baptist Church. They established Central Baptist Church, and they saw a hole and decided, you know what? I'm going to build a gate there. I'm willing to work that the future generations after us will have this great church to come to. Now, why are churches closing their doors all over this country? Because we've gotten to the place where we're satisfied with attending and not adding. Do you know what I believe we need by way of revival? We need to have the prayer that Nehemiah had in chapter 2, verse number 18. Watch what he says. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. Watch this. And they said, this is not the preacher saying it. This is the people saying it. And they said, let us rise up and build. Let us rise up and build. 
Here they are, and they're sitting in the middle of rubbish. They said, hey, I'm tired of sitting in rubbish. I'm going to put in the work. We're going to build something here. And God worked to the people's mind that they had to build. What did God do at this place? Look, I'm thankful for our church. I'm not knocking our church. But boy, I believe we're achieving below our apparent ability. That's what was my fifth grade report card. Remember Mr. Hitt? He was my teacher. On my fifth grade report card, I made a 73D in math. Lowest grade ever made. My dad put the fear of God in me after that. I was like, Dad, I passed. Dad said, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Dad says, look, you can do better. You know how to do better. I, was, I, just, I just like, you know, it's like a social butterfly. I like visiting, talking with people. I didn't like math. You know, like I told you the other day, I knew I was going to be a preacher. What do you need math for in preaching, right? So just scrap the whole thing. Dad says, look, look, you're my son, and you can do better. I know you can be- do better. You have capability to do better, and I expect that from you. Why? You're, you're achieving below your apparent ability. Now, that's what our father says. Our father says, you can do better. We can do better. We're achieving below our apparent ability. Why? Because oftentimes we're content to attend church, not just add to the church. Do you know why we have this country this morning? We have this country because somebody worked to establish it. These men that march in here this morning, man, whew, what about you? That got to me a little bit. I thought I was going to have to pass my notes off to Brother Nate and say, you're going to have to preach. I didn't know if I was going to be able to get through it. Thank God for people who put in the work to establish what we have here today. Now, folks, we got to put in the work now. The American soldier's done his part. It's time for the Christian soldier to do their part and not just attend church, but add to church and figure out, hey, where can I find a hole to fill like Eliashib? Eliashib says, you know what? Let's go over here to the sheep gate. There's a hole there. There's something that's not there. Let's put something there. Now, Folks, I want you to understand something today. I know we're preaching to the church a lot, but you hear me out. If God's called you to this church, there's a hole in the wall with your name on it. Not a hole in a chair to sit on it. There's a hole in the wall with your name on it. If God leads you to the church, he doesn't lead you to a church just to sit. He leads you to a church to serve. And oh, when that body's working like it's supposed to work, the body's being used of God to bring about revival. But as long as we're content to sit and not serve, we're not going to have revival. Number one, we see the builders. Could it be this morning that you need to sign up to be a builder? Here's what I find interesting. God gives every one of their names. God had a record of their names. I wonder this morning, if there was a sign-up sheet up here, we say, hey, we're going to have a sign-up sheet right up here after the service. I wonder how many of us could make their way down and put their name. I want to be a builder. I want to add. I'm not satisfied with attending. I want to add to this church. I want to be a part of God using this church to be about revival. You know, just as God was keeping up with who then, God's keeping up with who now. Don't think for a second you're flying below the radar. Well, you know what? I can't sing. I can't either. Brother Nate can't either. I sit right beside him when he's singing the whole day. He's singing in the choir. No, I'm big in. So I can't sing and I can't preach. and I can't. Look, if God led you to this church, there's something God wants you to do. Look, you may not be an arm or a leg, but you can be a pinky. That pinky comes in handy. I hope I never lose it. You know how hard it'd be to hold a Coke can without a pinky? Coke Zero, thank you, by the way, all of you folks who bring me Coke Zeros, keep it coming. The black label ones, we're finding them. We're fi- I mean, my office is loaded with the black label Coke Zeros. It's kind of like one of those, you know, one of those special drinks I only bring out for friends. I'm not going to share the black label with you. 
I'm going to share the red label with you. Man, those, I appreciate that stuff. Man, get to hold that can, but that pinky was gone. Got to hold on to hold of that. Are we missing any pinkies today? You say, well, I'm just a pinky. It doesn't matter. If God led you to this church, this church needs its pinkies. He said, well, I'm ugly as a big toe. Do you know how valuable your big toe is? I'm not going to, look, don't go home and cut it off to find out. Well, the preacher said, finally, you decide to listen to something the preacher said. You go home and cut your toe off. Man, you need that ugly big toe. You don't know what you are this morning. But if God led you to this church, he led you to be a part of this church, not just to sit, but to serve. You ought to sign up this morning to be on the, the building committee, all right? Number one, we see Elijah and his guys built something that wasn't there. They established something. Now, folks, if we're going to have revival, somebody's got to sign up to be a builder. I'm not just going to be here. I want to be a part of establishing something. Now, keep reading quickly. Verse number four, we see another crew show up. Verse one, notice it says builder, builder, builder. Verse four, watch this. And next unto them repaired Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Kaz. And next unto them repaired Meshulam. Look down at verse number five. And next unto them the Tekoites repaired. Verse number six. Moreover, the old gate repaired Jehoiada. Now here's what's interesting. Every word that's in this book is supposed to be in there. Verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, he says, hey, I got this crew over here. They'll, they're the builders. They're putting something there that's missing. They're putting something there that's not there. Look, every member of this church, God's got something for you to add that's not here. And if you don't add it, it's going to be missing. Number two, we see this group. We're going to call them the repairers this morning. Maybe you need to be on the repair crew. Now, what's happening here? We're looking at three different roles but one goal. The goal is revival. All right? Now, the goal of the builders decide, you know what? I'm not just going to sit. I'm going to serve. I'm going to plug a hole in Central Baptist Church. But maybe you need to be on the repairers list. Now, what is that? Well, the builders started from scratch, but the repairers were working with the stones rebuilding the walls. As a matter of fact, you look down, uh, I think it's verse number eight. It ends the Bible says they fortified Jerusalem unto the broad wall. They're working with these stones. Now, here's what's neat. The stones were there. They didn't burn up. You can't burn up stones. The stones were there, but they were out of place. They're out of place. And in order to rebuild or repair the wall, they were going to have to fix what was broken. Now, stick with me on this. This is important. Perhaps the same is true for us today. None of us like to acknowledge when areas of our life are in disrepair, do we? When areas are broken. But if we genuinely desire revival, we're going to be willing to do just that. That my section of the wall is broken and it's in need of repair. Could I be the first to raise my hand this morning and say there are times in my life that things are in disrepair? Can I tell you there are times my section of the wall is broken. See, what do you mean by broken? It means the stones are there, they're just out of order. And in order to rebuild or to revive the wall, things must be put back in their proper order in order to revive the wall. Now watch this, chapter 1, verse 6. I want you to listen to what Nehemiah says. Verse 3, he hears of the disaster. Verse 6, this is what he says to God. 
Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which, watch this, which I pray. Nehemiah says, I'm fixing to tell God about my section of the wall personally. I pray thee before, now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. Verse 7, we have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Can I tell you what's happening here? Nehemiah is acknowledging there's parts of his life that are in disrepair. Now look, you can't rebuild the wall until you rebuild yourself. You can't be a part of God working through you until you allow God to work in you. And God, watch this, wanted to use Nehemiah to rebuild and revive the walls. God wants to use us, folks. But until we let God work in us and repair our wall, how on earth can we go help somebody else repair their wall? Now, folks, I don't like admitting in times of my life when things are in disrepair, but the truth of the matter is we're all there sometimes. So what do you mean by that? Well, we read about the prodigal son. The prodigal son is living a life of disrepair, is he not? We could all agree with him on that. Let's pick on somebody who's not here, okay? It goes over a whole lot better than when I pick on people that are here. So let's pick on somebody who's not here. The prodigal son, his relationship with his father is in disrepair, isn't it? He's drifted away from his father. He's gone into the far country. He spent his substance that was given to him by his father. But what did he say in Luke 15? And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Watch this. He wanted to restore and repair the relationship. But before he could restore, repair, and revive the relationship with his father, he had to acknowledge what was in disrepair. Folks, this morning, I believe with all of my heart that there's some of us, maybe all of us this morning, that have portions of our wall that are in disrepair. And God says, I want to use you to help bring it about, but you've got to get your section of wall back in order. Things are broken down. Maybe it's your relationship with the Lord is broken down. And God says, I want to revive that relationship. But you've got to acknowledge something's broken. Now, folks, I don't like, I don't like saying something's broken and something's wrong. I don't like to admit fault in my own personal life and my relationship with the Lord. But oftentimes, that's the first step to finding the healing and the revival and the restoration that God wants to bring us. Remember the parable, or not the parable, the, the story of the potter, Jeremiah. He says, go down to the potter's house. And Jeremiah went down to the potter's house, and he saw the, uh, the vessel on the wheel, and the vessel was marred. It was broken. It was out of order. It was in disrepair. The Bible says that that potter took that vessel, and he made it again. And he made it out of something useful. You know what he did? He revived it. What did God say, cannot I do with you? God says, I want to do that with you. But here's our problem. I'm not broken. Everything's in order. No, 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 everything's good. I'm not, I don't need to be on the repair list. I'm not a repairer. Folks, listen to me. America's in the shape it's in today because God's people are in need of repair and we're not admitting it. And if we want revival, we're going to get on that repair list and decide, you know what? I'm going to restore what's broken. Could it be relationship with the Lord this morning? 
Elijah on Mount Carmel is probably one of my favorite accounts. 1 Kings chapter 18. Here he is facing off with the prophets of Baal. The Bible says that the prophets of Baal had their opportunity. They jumped up and down and screamed and hollered and cut themselves, and there was no answer from Baal. Now here comes Elijah, and Elijah says, we need to get in touch with the one true and living God. So what did he do? The Bible says, 1 Kings 18, verse 30, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken. He repaired it. Now, what was he about to pray for? Fire. God sent fire. Look, Zeus has nothing on the one true and living God when it comes to hurling lightning bolts. God's the real one. And Elijah's about to pray, God, I want you to send down fire, your power, your presence. What are we praying for in revival? Man, I hope the sermons are really good. I care less about the sermons. We need the fire of God to fall. There's some guys on TV who can preach some really good sermons. I don't know that they're within a mile of God. It's not the sermons. It's the power. All is vain. What are you seeing it? Come thou found. All is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. Without God, we'll not have revival. But wait a minute. Before he asked for fire, the Bible says he repaired the altar of the Lord. I believe this morning, several of us, folks, listen, me included, need to get our names on the repair list and get our section of the wall back in order, fix the things that are broken, and then ask God to do what only God could do. We're sitting there and we're praying, God, I need you to do something in America. God says, fix what's broken. Fix what's broken. I wonder this morning, is our faithfulness in disrepair? Oh, my soul. COVID has given way to the great falling away. People getting out of church. Now, look, I'm not being mean. I want to tell you one time, all right? Hear me out. I love you, okay? I do. I pray for you. I carry a little burden for each and every one of our people in my heart every day of the week. I pray for you every day of the week, every night. I pray for you. I love you. But you know what the truth of the matter is this morning? It seems like we can do everything else Walmart, Dollar General, vacation, work. But for some reason, we can't come to church. What's happening? Our faithfulness is in disrepair. Now look, folks, we can say, well, you just don't understand all this. Now look, all I understand is America's in trouble. And until God's people acknowledge that our walk with him, our relationship with him, our faithfulness with him is broken, then don't expect the fire of God to fall. I hope we're not wasting our time next week flying a preacher and his wife in from California. I hope we're not wasting our time with the money we're going to spend, but we are wasting our time if God's people can't fess up and say, hey, there's some things broken that need to be repaired, and I'm going to work on my section of the wall. What I love when you read in Nehemiah chapter number three, I should have underlined it. Nehemiah chapter three, let me see if I can find it right quick. Look at verse 23. I want you to see something. The third point's the shortest, okay? So don't get panicked that we're past 12 o'clock, 12.03. Verse 23, after him repaired Benjamin and Hashub over against the house. After him repaired Azariah, the son of Masaiah, the son of Ananiah. Watch this, by his house. You see, people lived in the wall. They repaired the pieces that were by their house. You read that, several, there's several other scriptures in here. I should have pulled them out where I could show them to you. You read chapter three, you'll find out. You look at verse 21, even to the end of the house of Eliashib, they repaired the peace close to home. 
Talked about it last week. Hey, why don't we just repair the wall near our house? I'll work on mine, you work on yours. Let's fix what needs to be repaired. And perhaps it's our faithfulness that's in disrepair. Or maybe, I'll give you this and I'll give you the last point. Oh dear, this morning, could it be that our fellowship is in disrepair? Our fellowship is in disrepair. Do you know this, this uh, world we've been living in the last 18 months, it has brought out the worst in all of us. Me included. I have been moody. Ooh, you ask my wife. I have been moody. I try to hide it, but I'm not very good at hiding. Ask the staff. We talked about, I'm not a good hinter, you know. And it's brought out the worst in us. So many things in our world right now are trying to divide us, polarize us. And you got people, all this, that, and the other, and I'm this, and you're that, and all this, that, and the other. But can I tell you something this morning? If you're not careful, that divided fellowship you have with your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your fellow church member, it's going to keep the power of God from falling on this place. So how do you know that? Listen close. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, what is that? That's service. And, that, and there remember, rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother. And then come and offer thy gift. Here's what he says. Here's what he says. Don't think for a second you're going to serve me when your fellowship is in disrepair. Can I ask you this morning, is there any broken fellowship in your wall, some stones that are out of order? Maybe you said something to somebody that you need to reel back in. Maybe somebody said something to you and you need to patch that up. Can I ask you something, teenager? Is there any broken fellowship with you and mom and dad? Teenagers can quench the spirit just as much as grown-ups. Mad at mom and dad about something? Angry about something? You need to repair that section of your wall because that broken fellowship is going to keep God from doing what God desires to do in your life. Maybe it's a spouse thing this morning. Forget to take out the garbage. Forget the anniversary. And man, that little bitty splinter that you almost can't even see has festered and festered and festered and festered. And that section of your wall is broken. And now until you decide I'm going to make the repairs, I need to get on the repair list this morning. I want to be on the builder's list, but I got to get on the repair list. Why? Because I have fellowship that's in disrepair. I need to put some things back in order. Folks, could we just admit this morning, and we could all nod our heads so everybody will see that all of us have the same problems. Could we just admit this morning that sometimes things get out of order, and sometimes things get broken, and sometimes things get in disrepair, and we need to fix them? Look, it doesn't mean it's a bad wall. It just means it's out of order. I told our staff in our meeting the other day, you know, my checkbook has to be balanced. Those things do not balance themselves, do they? Wouldn't that be neat if they did? My wife will sit down there. I mean, my wife just gets, I think balancing the checkbook brings more joy to her than a dozen roses. She just sitting there and gets so excited. Yes. I said, what was the matter? She said, I lost a nickel, but I found it. I used to try to keep mine within the lines of overdrafts. That was it. Just don't get an overdraft. And I was good. You have to balance them. You have to do that, okay? It's not going to happen by itself. It's the same way with the broken sections of your wall. Sometimes things get out of balance. Fix it. Here comes, here comes these guys in verse 4. 
Merrimoth comes along and says, hmm, there's a wall there and it could be great again, but we're gonna have to put things back in order. Can I tell you, our country could truly be great again when God's people decide we're gonna fix what's broken and repair the things that are out of order. So maybe this morning, number two, you need to get on the repairs list. Maybe your relationship with the Lord, your faithfulness, or maybe your fellowship needs to be put back in order. Finally, look down, if you will, to verse number six. Moreover, the old gate repaired Jehoiada, the son of Paseh. The Bible says in Meshulam, the son of Besadiah, I didn't practice that one. They laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. Now, here's what's, here's what's interesting. I used to work construction. Uh, I, used to, I used to enjoy it. And we've done it from the ground up, from the foundation all the way, uh, all the way to the doorknobs. I mean, we've done a little bit of all of it. And you have the crew to come in. You have the framers that come in. The framers frame up, stick frame the house. They, they do that. And then after that, you bring in the sheet rockers and all those guys. And at the very end of the job, you have a group that we call finishers that come in. And they run your baseboard and your crown molding. They'll come in, they'll come in and put in the doorknobs. They'll come in and put the light switch covers. And folks, can I tell you, that job is just about as important as any of them. Why? Because that's what you see. I think the third group this morning you may need to sign up on is the group we're going to call the finishers. The finishers. Now, here's what you see in verse number six. They repaired the old gate that was there. But the old gate wasn't finished. The old gate needed some things. What did they need? It needed some beams on it. Look at verse 6, it needed some doors on it, needed some locks on it, needed some bars on it. You see, it was important to finish the work. It was important. What good is a gate without a lock? You say, well, man, that's a good-looking gate. If you don't have a lock on it, it's a useless gate, okay? You got to finish it out. And I believe all, with all of my heart today that oftentimes, look, we have put some effort in it, we've done some work and we've been obedient, but we haven't been fully obedient to finish what God has laid upon our heart to do. Now folks, look, maybe this morning you've been working, but you've kind of got idle because of COVID. You know, we kind of got set aside from our work and you know, we just got a lot going on and I've just stepped back from my service to God and I come to church, but I'm not really doing anything at church. Folks, can I tell you, you need to sign up to be a finisher. So what do you mean? Well, the things that God has told you to do, let's finish the job. Look, let's not let the trump of God sound and we be found content to be as is. Let's finish the job. Is there something in your heart and life this morning that God has already made clear and yet you've yet to take that step of obedience? You say, but wait a minute, I built the gate. Hey, it's a good looking gate. Thank God for people who build the gate. But have you put the locks on it? Have you put the bars on it? You know, partial obedience is disobedience. Man, we were at staff meeting the other day and uh, we left a to-do list for Miley to do at home. Old pesky word, chores. And she has no siblings to help her, so it's all her. I think that's why she invited Kaylee to come over. Kaylee didn't know it, but she was Tom Sawyer getting help to whitewash the fence there at our house. Suckered her in. And man, we gave her a list and we came home. 8, 30, 9 o'clock on Friday and got to the house and we're looking around and, man, everything's straightened up there and she did the laundry. And then my wife says, did you take out the trash? Well, of course, I got the ribbon for it if you saw it on Facebook the other day. I said, well, it wasn't ready. She said, well, somebody took out the trash. 
And we asked Miley. Miley took out the trash. I didn't know girls would do that. Thank God now she opened the door. It's her job from now on. <laughs> Leslie gave her the washing the dishes. Why can't I give her the garbage? Man, how good it was to come home. And she finished the job. She finished the job. There was nothing on the list that she had left undone. Full obedience. Full obedience. Folks, I, I love our church. I think we have some great people in our church. We really do. But what could God do with Central Baptist Church if we were all fully obedient? Say, I'm, I'm not going to be just content to say I built the gate. I'm going to put the lock in. I'm going to put the bars in. I'm going to finish what God has told me to do. Why? Because I want revival. I want God to work. Folks, God did a great work in the midst of a great mess because his people were willing to do the work. Can I ask you this morning, could it be that you need to sign up to be a builder? Is it time to quit just attending church and start adding to church? I'm not just going to show up. I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to be a part. I'm going to add something that's missing. There's a hole here. I'm going to volunteer to fill that hole. Or maybe this morning you need to sign up to be a repairer. Or there's some things out of order today. Now look, if we seriously believe revival is the answer, we will not hesitate to take that hypothetical pen out and write our name. I, God, I've got some repairs to make. I have broken fellowship with someone in this building. I have broken fellowship with my spouse. I have broken fellowship with my parents. I have broken fellowship with a co-worker. And I'm going to repair that. I'm going to repair my section of the wall. There's some things that are broken that need to be fixed. Or maybe this morning you need to sign up to be a finisher. It's time to get back to work. You're not done. So I built the gate. We're not done. You say, how do you know? God hadn't called us home. Every one of you look like you're alive here today. You woke some of those people up beside you. They look alive too. But we're all living. You know what that means? We're not finished. We're not finished. That means we got a work to do. And yes, we have some beautiful gates here, but there are just some locks need to be put on. There's some complete obedience that needs to be had by God's people today. And I believe if we'll just be a builder, a repairer, and that finisher, God will work in this week of renewal. So it's time to sign up this morning. God's keeping a good record. Can I ask you this? At the end of this week, when we get to Sunday next week, I wonder what the record will be. He kept a record of their, their name. He's keeping a record of your name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed.